0: Good Wednesday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller. Welcome to the I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for joining us live in our building in downtown Charlottesville, the Macklin Building. This show literally broadcasted on every social media platform alive today. A lot we're going to cover on a program that's presented by the Clifton and Keswick I cannot reiterate enough how incredibly magical the dining and drinking experience are at the Clifton in Keswick. You want to make a memory for a loved one, a partner, a significant other, date night, or some kind of family event – Book a reservation at the Clifton and Keswick. It is memorable. Also weddings, events, corporate retreats, and a boutique hotel experience that is literally second to none, the Clifton and Keswick. Today's program, check the headlines on screen. We'll talk another man murdered in the Charlottesville area. We will talk um, a heat map of shootings, a cluster of shootings potentially emerging. We will talk Leah Perrier as the Cena McGill replacement on Charlottesville City Council. I have tremendous respect for Leah Perrier, a four-term school board member. Tremendous respect. However, I'm shocked she was the appointee to city council. I'll tell you why on today's show. We'll talk Almoral County School Board meeting coming this Thursday. Teachers listening and watching this program. Um, and I love hearing from you guys. I love hearing from the teachers I stand with the teachers, like I stand with the police, like I stand with EMTs, like I stand with firefighters. We will always champion the underdog, and there is no more, um, no no underdog I want to champion at a much more uh, greater clip than teachers. Underpaid, underappreciated. I have a rising, um, uh, I have a soon-to-be five-year-old in our family, our oldest son, and a 12-week-old. So parenthood has put a different perspective for us on teaching and the superheroes that do it professionally. School board meeting this Thursday, collective bargaining on the agenda Teachers are going to come out in, in, in by the dozens, at least. I'd be, I would love to see 100-plus teachers at Thursday's school board meeting in Almaro County. We'll also talk culturally responsive teaching. That was a topic from yesterday's show. Um, this is on the Almaro County website, the school website. How do you transform your classroom with culturally responsive teaching? There's a number of bullet points of what CRT is. We got into um, some of those, some of that language, if you may, verbiage, if you may, from the Almarville County Public School website. Judah's got a take that resonated with him or came to him after yesterday's show. And I'm personally, personally going to relay um, the experience or the feedback I got after yesterday's show from 11 different active Almarville County Public School teachers, either through DMs, emails, text messages. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Guys, we love when you watch the show. A couple of other updates I want to give you. Blue Ridge Cyclery is opening a Richmond location. We'll give you that update on today's program, and we'll ask the question, is Delegate Rob Bell running for re-election? Yes or no? The scuttlebutt says no. The scuttlebutt says no at Rob Bell's Institution. The show is presented by the Clifton Judah. I want to start with a a, a thread on Twitter yesterday from Kyle Redinger. And Kyle Redinger is a real estate developer. He was the former um, founder of CrossFit Charlottesville. Someone tell Kyle Redinger we're giving him some props on today's show. Someone tag Kyle Redinger in the feed. In fact, Neil Williamson, if you're watching, tag him. In fact, you know what? I'll see if I can add Kyle Redinger here right now. I have a lot of respect for this guy. So I'm getting on Twitter, Kyle we are giving you props on the show right now. And I'm sending it to Ty, Kyle on, on Twitter. Um, yesterday, Kyle, who's a serial entrepreneur, Kyle Redinger launched and founded CrossFit Charlottesville. And that gym had fantastic success. Kyle was, was a visionary with CrossFit. Kyle was doing CrossFit before... CrossFit was cool, and he made a business around it. Kyle, at one time, was the founder of a company called Spicy Bear Media, which he did in in cahoots or partnership with Charles Leonard, who was an ad sales rep for Blake DeMasso at Blue Ridge Outdoor Magazine at one time. And Kyle and Charles, in a lot of ways, created a digital media brand before digital media was really a a thing. Um, If you look at the digital media brands in this market, a 300,000-person market, I I Love Seaville is is at the forefront. We have the most market share, and we are the market leader with digital media. Spicy Bear Media, when it was Kyle and Charles, they kind of were the first to market in Central Virginia with a digital media brand. They utilized message boards it wasn't even a message board it was the comments section below content they created much like the hook you know I guess the hook was the forefront of digital media but a lot of what the hook was doing was tied to a print product so I would not say that the hook was a digital media brand I would say the hook was an award-winning weekly newspaper Charles and Kyle at Spicy Bear were legitimately a digital media brand, and Charles and, and, and Kyle would create content, hell, this was like 15, 16 years ago, and the comments section below the content they created took on a life of its own, and Spicy Bear was probably the first digital media brand in Central Virginia. So this guy, Kyle, he, he, he's a software entrepreneur, a software developer, and he's also a real estate developer. He's developed, and Kyle, or, or, or friends of Kyle, help me out here, he's developed a storage units, Kyle Redinger, Kyle Regine, Regine, or Redinger, I'm butchering your last name, Kyle, I apologize, um, also the visionary and the developer behind, what are you calling it, Kyle, the Almarl Business Complex? down Fifth Street Extended, kind of across from the police station. He's building a business complex there, developing one. I mean, the dude seems to have the Midas touch, Kyle. And I got a lot of respect for him. He's well-researched. He's well-read. He's well-spoken. He knows business. And yesterday, when a guy like Kyle tweets, I, I, I follow him on Twitter, I, I listen And yesterday, he starts a thread on Twitter on on upzoning and the fact that this isn't necessarily going to create a lot of affordability. He quote retweets an article from Neil Williamson, and that article from the Free Enterprise Forum and Neil Williamson is titled, um, 99, Charlottesville Zoning Wrong Number. And Neil is starting to highlight on the Free Enterprise Forum some of the issues he has with upzoning in the city of Charlottesville. So now you have um, an established, legitimate developer with deep roots in the community, basically selling upzoning, basically explaining that upzoning is not going to breed affordability. I've been saying this for a year. I've been saying this for a year. This is a topic that's going to be very much in the forefront in the next few months as city council is literally wading through this complicated topic right now. And speaking of council, Leah year is going to be on the dais going through what is, what is maybe or arguably the most important zoning or policy change or rewrite in maybe Charlottesville's history. I mean, it, you got one group of people saying this rewrite, this upzoning, is going to, to um, unpack decades of, of systematic racism tied to zoning in Charlottesville. 53% of our land in the city is zoned R1, single-family detached housing. Developers are now saying that this upzoning is not going to create affordability. I think that's important to highlight. Yeah, Bill McChesney says, Flim, flam, flum. A zing to the future land use map here in the city. Um, all right, well, Kyle, I wanted to acknowledge your tweets. I found them, affordable. Um, I found them um, informative, um, sir. I really sincerely mean that. Let's go to a two-shot. We'll welcome Judah Wickower to the program. <clears throat> um, afternoon first, my friend. Good afternoon. I wake up to the news, you saw the same. uh, Another man murdered in the area. This right over the city county line. Yeah. Within, I would say, a five iron, depending how hard or how far someone hits the golf club, of a shooting last week on Wahoo Way. Yeah. The proximity of these two shootings we will showcase with a map on screen. Give us a heads up when that map is live. You'll see two red circles if you're watching the visual version of this show. It's on screen now. Look at the screen. Explain to me the shooting from last week. Which circle is it there, Judah? Uh, the circle
1: on the bottom right is uh, roughly the 200 block of Wahoo Way,
0: which is where the, uh, the shooting occurred last Wednesday. Okay, thank you very much. So the shooting on the right side of what Judah created, the graphic, was the shooting from last week that happened at Wahoo Way, Basically an apartment complex down Fifth Street Extended, literally across from the Alamara County Police Office, very close to Kyle Redinger's planned business complex development, honestly, frankly. I have a rental property at the Villas at Southern Ridge. This is right around the corner from the Villas at Southern Ridge, Judah Wickhour. Hmm. The, the circle on the left side of the map is the shooting from last night. The shooting from last night, very different from the shooting from last week. Last night's shooting, homicide. The shooting from last week, hospitalization, but survival. First question anyone is going to ask is, is this retaliation, or are these shootings linked because of the geographical proximity of both? Fair question, yes or no?
1: I mean, I guess it's a fair question. I- don't know how you would uh, find an answer to it. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, the proximity, it's, I think it's a reasonable question to
0: ask. I mean, we're talking, what are we talking? Put it back on screen. 30-second walk. Yeah. 45-second walk. Michael Cotches says early this week, the newly minted Charlottesville police chief, that they're utilizing data... Data collected from crimes committed to create heat maps, and those heat maps will be the foundation for police districts or the profiling of high crime areas. While these two shootings happened in Almoro County, they are in incredibly close proximity to the city, and you can make a legitimate argument that the apartments in this area, you got Eagles Landing. You got uh, the villas at Southern Ridge, the apartments in this area, the most affordable in the area. The only apartments, not only that word, has a lot of um, permanent connotations associated with it. I'll rephrase as I'm very selective with my word choice. Other apartment complexes in this area that can offer similar affordability to Eagle's Landing, the villas at Southern Ridge, and the other cluster of apartments off Old Lynchburg Road, they are few and far between. You're looking at Westgate for potential similar affordability. That's off Georgetown Road, also in Almaro County. You're looking at Barracks West, which I believe is also in Almaro County, that can offer similar affordability. But really, if you're talking apartments and affordability, most of them are in Albemarle and not necessarily in Charlottesville City. These two shootings happen within a 30-second walk of each other, directly across 5th Street from the Albemarle County Police Station, right in the shadows of Eagle's Landing off Old Lynchburg Road, and you have Mm -hmm. to wonder, are they... Connected or is this in retaliation because of the geographical proximity and the time proximity a week apart? I'm also curious if Charlottesville City Police and Almoral County Police will work together to help solve crimes that could be happening in both jurisdictions. Just because shootings are happening in Almoral, maybe some of the crime associated with those shootings is happening in the city. No doubt. Difficult to tell. I hope there's a, a hybrid task force where both departments are working in conjunction of each other,
1: yeah, I don't sharing any, data. I don't see any reason they wouldn't communicate. I mean, Charlottesville is such a small city. It's almost impossible to believe that uh,
0: people aren't moving in and out of Charlottesville and Albemarle County. Right. That's my point. That's exactly my point. Warrior AG says Wahoo Way is a dangerous area. I've had numerous jump-outs there due to the apartments connected to each other. Hmm. Um Anonymous, we'll get to your comments here in a matter of moments on Kyle's tweets and also on the shooting. Anonymous says on the shooting, that complex is dedicated affordable housing, just like the heat map shows. Cautious with his police districts. We anticipated that the three police districts were Fifeville, the 6th Street neighborhood, in the 10th and Page neighborhood. Cotches is, is, everything I'm hearing, lives in the 10th and Page neighborhood, the police chief. If we were talking about police districts in Almaro County, where would we mark them? Probably Mallside apartments are one. We've already had shootings by the apartment complex at Fashion Square Mall. A police district could be an emerging one, this old Lynchburg quarter, where, as Anonymous on Twitter through direct message has said, there's a lot of dedicated affordable housing complexes there. Yeah. Yesterday, Anonymous informs us on Twitter about the direct link, and he's a data guy as well. He says there's a direct link he's seen on um, a housing stock associated with tax credits, or housing affordability, and potential crime. Hmm. In a city council meeting yesterday, a survey company that Charlottesville City hired, co survey results when they asked questions of a couple thousand Charlottesville households. Put the, screen, put the graphic on screen. Anonymous also said to us, look at this on screen. of the participants from this survey, 70% said they wanted improved police presence in Charlottesville, Virginia. There's a narrative or a message that's being birthed amongst socialists, Charlottesville on Twitter, that's rooted in defunding the police or taking away resources From the police department. The survey from Polco, a third party that Charlottesville City Hall hired, indicates that narrative from Charlottesville socialist Twitter is not the reality of what Charlottesvillians want. 70% is an overwhelming result, an overwhelming majority of people who say it's very important for the city of Charlottesville to increase service levels for police patrol and investigative services. We have said on this talk show, and I get significant heat from socialist Twitter and Charlottesville Twitter on this, we have said the 50, 60, or 70 people on Charlottesville Twitter that are loud and organized, that are pushing for zoning reform, and the defunding of police <coughs> and capital improvement and capital improvement projects tied to schools are the very small minority. The Polco survey further reinforces that statement or thesis that I've constantly reiterated on this platform. That's an overwhelming majority, Judah. Definitely. And I think if you ask the average Joe or the average Sally, they'll say, I absolutely want the police patrolling my neighborhood.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, we've certainly seen issues with police in in other places. And, uh, you know, until we start seeing those problems cropping up in our own police force, I think, uh, you know, we stand by them.
0: Nora Gaffney, welcome to the program. Bill McChesney, hello and welcome to the show. Thank you kindly for joining us. Albert Graves, we appreciate your love on social media and on Twitter. Um, Kyle, we highlighted your tweet analysis in the beginning of the show. Um, Kyle, you will you will appreciate this commentary from the I Love Seville Network's version of Deep Throat. It's an anonymous Twitter account that watches our show often. Here's his thoughts on your Twitter th- thread, Kyle, from yesterday. He says, two interesting things about Kyle's thread. First, the fact that a developer tells you that a mere 10% affordable unit requirement for 99 years blows up development economics means that zoning is not a binding constraint for developers. 10%, 10% affordability for getting like 10x dwelling units entitlement isn't enough. In New York City and San Francisco, the requirements are for 25% affordable units with much deeper affordability requirements. Zoning is not the main source of the affordability problems that people suffer here. Second, I have to love Rory Stolzenberg nonchalantly replying to an actual developer that he must be doing his discounting wrong if he says 30-year versus 99-year affordability period makes a difference. Rory has never owned a piece of property in his life, let alone built anything, and he's questioning Kyle Redinger. The confidence of the planning commission as compared to the experience is pretty striking to me. Kyle, that's an analysis from anonymous on your thread. Stolzenberg did jump in that thread. And I have no problems with planning commissioners not ever owning any property. Rory's a a tenant. He lives off the downtown mall. I routinely coming out, and I'm not going to let you know which building it is, but a building on Water Street, I I routinely see him coming out and in there. I don't have a problem that a planning commissioner has never owned property because I think that perspective is warranted. I did find it curious, and I'll just use the word curious, that Rory was questioning Kyle's math Mm. and business model. When developers are utilizing social media to question the legitimacy of upzoning and the affordability it may or may not breed or birth, you realize we are entering a potential cluster duck. Quack, quack, quack. And I don't care what anyone says. The University of Virginia is going to have a huge impact here. We'll get to what Cavalier Daily has written, which we highlighted last week. Another article is out today. Would I want you to highlight here in a minute or two, Judah?
1: You're talking about uh, Charlottesville
0: property values post-continued threat to affordable student housing? Yes. Very applicable here. UVA has said it has the most applicants in the history for what? The class of 2027. UVA also said in that article that it was going to maintain a similar class size for the first years as it has in years past. I get that UVA is trying to tell the community it's not going to massively grow its student body. But I want you to be very common sense-centric folks, viewers, and listeners. If the University of Virginia is, is opening a data science school in a, Paul, led by Joffrey Woodruff's donation and a, and a biotech school led by Paul Manning's donation, these two new schools are coming online that are going to be state-of-the-art. These two schools are going to need students in them. Is it not a safe comment that as the biotech school and the data science school come online, the UVA student body is going to grow because they're adding new schools to their business model? That's a very fair comment. And as UVA student body grows, they cannibalize the students' housing in the Charlottesville ecosystem. And as they cannibalize housing in the Charlottesville ecosystem with their mommy and daddies paying their leases... That takes housing stock away from Charlottesvilleans and Almoral Countyans. And as that housing stock is eroded, the values, rents, and ownership escalate. The Cavalier Daily and the UVA student body is now getting very active into housing reporting. When I was a student at the University of Virginia, all the Cavalier Daily was reported was the bubble of grounds. They talked sports and they talked nuanced elements strictly applying to the UVA bubble. Now the Cavalier Daily is reporting about a payment in lieu of taxes program from the University of Virginia. Yesterday, the Cavalier, or maybe it was today, give us the date when you give us the the lead and the synopsis of the article. Yesterday or today, the Cavalier Daily is reporting how affordability is becoming a serious issue in Charlottesville for students. The rents are getting out of control. I played um, squash yesterday with the first year. He's a Mm -hmm. top-the-club team. He's a full scholarship scholarship student from California. He's looking to get a summer internship in Charlottesville this year. He's applied to a number of firms. I'm not going to blow up which they are. He's now looking for housing for just the summer months Mm -hmm. and also for second year where he plans to live off-grounds. He's looking at the flats on West Main Street, the cost for him to rent a bedroom in a two bedroom suite, two bedroom, two bath, a common area with a kitchen that he shares with somebody else. The cost is $1,250 per month for a one bedroom that he gets paired with a stranger in. Yeah. That's expensive. That's insane. That's insane. 1250, the flats, two bedroom suite. He doesn't even have a studio, he has a roommate. Tell us what the Cavalier Daily is reporting, please.
1: I mean, it's a long article, but uh, they're basically saying what everybody else knows, which uh, is that uh, between assessments and taxes, uh, real estate's going up a lot. I mean, uh, since 2021, it's increased on average 25%. It's increased an average of 11.5% just in the last year uh, for residential properties. And yeah, you've got lots of students. And um, while I appreciate the fact that I'm sure some of them do have rich parents, uh, I I think it's probably safe to say that there are plenty of students going to UVA that aren't coming to Charlottesville with uh, with money falling out of their pockets, and um, I, you know, what are you going to do? What do you What do you do when rents skyrocket like that? And you're already paying high costs for uh, for you know for university. Prices
0: go up there every year. Well, I mean, what's? Uh, I think the university system is going to be even more for the wealthy. I mean, you you can make a legitimate argument the way the four year University business model in our country has been created. It systematically, systematically, has prioritized or rewarded wealth. How so? Children and parents, because it's expensive as hell to go to school.
1: Well, so that's not the university prioritizing wealth. That's that's wealth having an effect on on how viable it is for. For students to pay for expensive colleges, I
0: think it's all the above. If the university is raising tuition each year, that's the university prior, and the university has to raise tuition every year. It just, it every every aspect that the university has from running its business is becoming more expensive. You got a living wage for employees with a starting pay of fifteen bucks an hour at UVA, right? You got all the land that they're buying around this area increasing from an assessment standpoint. Increasing from a tax rate standpoint, and as they scoop up the land, it becomes more expensive. Would they pay 22 million for the for the University Shopping Center, for the Foods of All Nations Shopping Center, Ivy Square? Do they pay taxes on those? Once they buy it, they put it into a nonprofit, and then they don't. But they're still paying the money to buy it.
1: You're but still a, But they've got a massive endowment. You're still don't
0: paying. They? You're still paying the money to renovate and to build and to create. I can't imagine the hotel and the conference center were cheap to build. And I certainly can't imagine the hotel and the conference center are cheap to staff. They're building the data science school. Granted, it started with $125 million from, from a data science expert, $100 plus million from Paul Manning, $100 million, I think, the even number for the biotech. They're still building these buildings. I understand they have a huge endowment, but when the folks are managing the endowment, they want to see ROI on what they're managing. They're not just going to say, oh, I got 14, 15 billion. I don't care this year if the endowment is down. They want to run it in the black. And as they run it in the black, they do it as business people and they prioritize ROI. Fair enough. I don't think UVA is ever going to say, I don't care about making money with the endowment this year. If anything, there's some kind of competitive arms race between the University of Virginia and maybe some of the private schools in the Ivy League that have much larger endowments and the university priding itself as being world-class, trying to narrow the gap with the endowments in the Ivy League. Harvard's is way more expensive. Let's, what do you think Harvard's endowment is? Harvard University endowment. I have no idea. I would imagine Harvard University's endowment is 2 or 3x what... Um, UVA is. is. Tell me, see if you can find that data. Two to three X what UVA's is, is, I would say Harvard's.
1: Uh, I think, uh, let's see, Harvard tops the list.
0: I got that article, the too, from U.S. Engamets. News and World Report, pub- published in September of 2022. So this is relatively fresh data here. Harvard tops the list. Topping the list at $53 billion is the Harvard Endowment. What's UVA's? 14 or 15 So easily yeah. 3X. Is UVA's $14, 15000000000 I think so. I would imagine UVA is going to try to keep up with private schools. And the folks managing this money want return. And they want to show the return to justify the talent they have of managing the money. I think UVA very much is in the business of making money. And now the students at, at, at the school are utilizing the daily publication to highlight the, the priority or the importance of a pilot program, payment in lieu of taxes. And then they're also highlighting what they're seeing as financial difficulties of affordability of renting places locally. I highlighted 600 West Main earlier in the week. The, the apartment complex, Blue Moon's apartment complex. You want to get an apartment with roommates that you don't know in that building? Sixteen hundred a month. You want to get a studio in that building where you got no strangers living with you? Pretty much close to two grand a month. Man. I mean, we highlighted that Penn Park listing. The Penn Park listing had an asking of forty five hundred a yeah. month for a three-bedroom, two-bath. Yeah. Comments coming in from Kyle here. Kyle says this, and I'll read this verbatim. Thanks. I want to be clear. I want affordable housing in Charlottesville. This happens through public-private partnerships, realistic views on construction costs, and allowing a lot more density everywhere with or without affordability. I agree. How about we figure out uh, the, the expediting building permits? How about the fact that 24% the cost of new construction is paperwork and government red tape? $400,000 home, a hundred grand of that is red tape and paperwork. How about we solve that problem? Yeah. How about we do that? Charlottesville City, how about you look at yourself instead of throwing stones in glass houses and figure out an action plan for the Charlottesville City yard? Instead of a public works facility that's over 10 acres in the heart of our town, right off West Main Street, behind the Jefferson School, why don't we take those 10 acres that you already own the land to and create some housing affordability there? And stop penalizing builders. Charlottesville City, you want to create housing affordability? How in the hell are you going to create housing affordability if you're going to have to buy out Bo Carrington and Wendell Wood on High Street and that 21-acre apartment complex by Cosner Brothers, the proposed complex? Charlesville City is, is, is facing uh, voter and taxpayer outcry. And I can't blame the High Street neighborhood for being pissed off that a 245-unit that a apartment complex is being planned in a floodplain next to a a body shop on a road that's a cluster duck, quack, quack, quack. I can't blame High Street for being pissed off about that. It's going to hurt their home values, and it's going to undoubtedly impact their quality of life. But Charlottesville City cannot say it's it's a proponent of of housing affordability and upzoning if they're going to take 10 acres and allocate it to the storage of pickup trucks and heavy machinery, which is the city yard, and if they're going to consider spending millions of dollars to buy out Bo Carrington and Wendell Wood on their high street project that would have birthed 245 units. That's hypocrisy. That is hypocrisy. Utilizing taxpayer dollars for grant to do an appraisal survey is one thing. Going a step further and having Wendell Wood and Bo Carrington hold you by the short and curlies and essentially demand a premium for 21 acres so you don't get pissed off people, voters and taxpayers? That's bogus. And that's hypocrisy. Bogus and hypocrisy from the city. Create a joint venture with Elmira County And take the public works facility into the urban ring and monetize and and through development, affordable development, 10.5 acres on the city yard. Bogus. And Warrior AG, you're exactly right. There's next to nothing in the local news about the murder from last night. Next to nothing. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And you have to ask a legitimate question. This is a legitimate and fair question. When does the gun violence that is prolific over the last 12 months, when does the gun violence start impacting property values or economy growth locally? When is gun violence keep folks from considering to moving into the three policing districts that conscious has started. Hmm. If conscious who said yesterday or two days ago said he's going to have three policing districts based on a heat map of high crime. If he identifies the three hmm. police districts and we should ask him, what are those three police districts? We think they're the Sixth street neighborhood downtown South we think it's 10th and Page and Fifeville. If Cotches identifies those three areas, what does that do to property values there? <coughs> the police chief is saying these three neighborhoods are, are crime-ridden. Yeah. What does that do to property value?
1: I guess it depends on, uh, on how quickly and how well they take action.
0: And, and your open-mindedness to living in a, at best, gentrifying district? Follow up question What does the crime in Charlottesville do to neighborhoods in Almoro County that are perceived as safer? Does it become, make them even more popular and in demand? Could be. Follow up question to that You know what supersedes upzoning? HOA neighborhoods. And there are HOA documents that prevent the upzoning from happening in the respective neighborhoods that the HOAs govern. If upzoning turns into an utter cluster duck, 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 does that drive tailwinds and momentum toward HOA neighborhoods where upzoning can never happen? Hmm. Upzoning's never going to happen in Redfields, Lake Renovia, Mill Creek, Glenmore. Upzoning's never going to happen in Mosby Mountain, or Mountain Valley Farm. I don't know. It's that- never gonna happen at Oak Hill Park. It's never gonna happen in where are the Charlottesville City HOA neighborhoods? There's not many there. I don't know. What were you gonna
1: add? Mm. I mean some of those places won't matter. They're just there's not the room to to upzone anyways, but uh, but yeah. Uh, you may have You may have people looking for that, uh, but
0: i don 't know we've, we've got to do something Zero high street this is from anonymous zero high street that 's the twenty one acres on Rivana on the Rivana River on high Street. he says it 's by right project zoning wise Zoning is not the barrier. other aspects of land use as you say, are the issue and not zoning. Here's the the number one issue with Wendell Wood and Bo Carrington's project on High Street. You know what the number one issue is? The floodplain? Taxpayer and citizen and voter outrage. The project is by right. Floodplain issues are undoubtedly a concern. But if there was not taxpayer and voter and citizen outcry and outrage, this project would fly under the radar. The floodplain would be something that would raise our eyebrows, but we would get over it, and 245 units would come to market. We have outrage and outcry, and I understand it. High Street's a mess. Who wants two hundred and forty five additional units and cars on a road that is the most under it's the, the least performing road in the city of Charlottesville? High Street, Cherry Avenue, and Harris. Those three. Hmm. No one wants two hundred and forty five more cars. But if that outrage and outcry was not happening, this project would go by right and Carrington and Wood would be making money. That's fair. Someone say I'm wrong. Someone. Oof! Crazy times for Charlottesville, Virginia. Ahora. Seventy percent of the community in a in a third party survey says, "Give us more police." Yet the narrative in the community, is defund the police.
1: Is that really the narrative, though?
0: I mean, you said it before, it's a select few. It's 50 to 60 people on Twitter, loud and organized, living in a silo. When you vote anonymously in a survey, you're honest. You don't have the political pressure. Or the popularity pressure? Seven out of ten people in that third-party survey said, give us more police. You know the, the counselor yesterday who questioned the survey results? No. Who do you think? Um, I don't know. I, I, you know I, council makeup, and you're a really smart guy. Of the four guys per year is was picked yesterday, so she wasn't one of the people on council. Of the mm-hmm. four dudes on council who questioned the legitimacy of seventy percent of the uh, of survey um, responders saying they want more police, who questioned the legitimacy of that? Of the four guys you know on council, I mean, I mean, you got a twenty five percent here <laughs> chance of getting this right. This is not an overthinking question here.
1: All right. I'll say
0: Juan Diego Wade. Michael Payne. Okay. That was my second guess. The one that leans socialist. Yeah. And I got a lot of respect for Payne, but his ideology undoubtedly leans socialist. We got someone in a direct message contacting us anonymously And this is not anonymous from Twitter. This is another active viewer and listener who is responding to us in direct message capacity on Facebook. And he's asking um, for discretion. This particular person says, I believe the chief said the teenagers are causing a lot of these gun crimes. But it seems to me everybody who's been a victim or suspect has been around 35 or older. The gentleman murdered last night, 34 years old. But, African-American male who grew up in the Westgate apartments in Albemarle County.
1: But I believe the person that was,
0: uh, that was injured on uh, Wahoo Way was, was a lot younger. Was younger indeed. And the injury and the shooting from seven days ago on Wahoo Way, from a week ago on Wahoo Way, was drug-related. The police straight-up said it was a drug deal gone wrong hmm. last week. The man murdered outside the bar on the downtown mall late last year in his mid-30s, yeah. about damn time we start saying to us that not only is gun violence a problem, but gang violence is a problem around here. Yeah. And I and- would love to see an inter, inter-jurisdictional task force created, where Albemarle County and the city of Charlottesville pull their police resources and form a gun and gang task force that patrols the city and the county in joint venture fashion. Because to say that this gun and, gu- gun and gang violence is isolated to just the city or just the county is not true. Because violence, gang, and guns do not know jurisdictional lines. Right. I want to see a joint task force between the city and the county, to try to alleviate these issues. Jade existed at one time, Kevin Yancey, but does Jade exist still? And Jade was more drug-related. Jefferson Area Drug Enforcement. Jade is still in operation, yes. Thank you, Kevin. Mm. Are you surprised Leah Perrier was picked? They went with a four-term school board member over two former city councilors, including one former city councilor, Kathy Galvin, who's an architect professionally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely surprised. Uh, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to get inside their
0: minds and figure out uh, how that decision was made. Juan Diego Wade worked for years with Leah Perrier on the school board, so That's a true. direct link between Leah Perrier and current council is Juan Diego Wade, and the time they spent together—years of time on the school board, Charlottesville City. I would imagine Juan Diego Wade. Was a vocal evangelist for Leah Perrier and they closed door session yesterday, council had. I am surprised that they went with Perrier and that's no shade throwing to her. I have huge amounts of respect for Leah Perrier. Do you have a photo of her you can put on screen? Yeah. We have a photo of Leah Perrier we can put on screen. She previously came on the show. There it is. It's on screen. She previously came on the I Love Seville show. Amazing interview, vibrant, dynamic, vision, communicative, leader, stakeholder, incredible. Now you got to wonder if Leah Perrier runs for council full-time. Zaykos and Galvin made it clear they would not seek election. I do not believe Perrier did. Leah Perrier, her time on council this year, is this a tryout for her to run for council come this fall? Frankly, the election would be the Democratic primary, right, for city council. Snook has announced on the Isle of Seville network he would seek re-election. Lloyd Snook did. We would imagine Michael Payne, because it's his primary source of income, is going to run for re-election. Three spots are up for grabs. Is Leah Perrier the third spot? Is this a springboard to a run for council for a former four-term school board member? That's a fair and legitimate question. And speaking of the school board, tomorrow's meeting is going to be en fuego. Hmm. Absolutely on fire. Teachers are organizing to show up at the meeting tomorrow to demand collective bargaining rights. And I've said it from the beginning, give the teachers, these superheroes, collective bargaining power, please. You cannot have a school system in Charlottesville City with collective bargaining power, and Albemarle County, the school system right next to Charlottesville, not have collective bargaining power, because it will create a compensation disparity that is tangible and palpable, and that will yield attrition with Albemarle County employees, why would you stay in a school system that does not have the same compensation advantages through, through, through negotiation instead of going to the one literally right next to yours that's a couple miles away?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And make your take on the culturally responsive teaching from yesterday. Yesterday on the show, if you watched it, we talked about culturally responsive teaching teaching. Almoro County is going to try, and how about this for word salad for you? This is what culturally responsive teaching is. Teachers will disaggregate assessment, engagement, behavioral and attendance data by student social and cultural groups and identify and apply differentiated strategies to address growth and learning needs of all students with specific attention to students who are impacted by equity, opportunity, and achievement gaps. This is educational profiling. That statement may elicit a reaction from you, but this is educational profiling. And we heard, me specifically, from 11 different teachers after yesterday's show and said the common denominator was what we identified. We cannot do all this stuff. Your take on this, Judah?
1: My take on thinking about it was just that uh, if a teacher is currently unsympathetic to the types of issues that this is seeking to address, then I don't, see how this is going to change their mind and make them, uh, make them teach differently in their classes. And if a teacher is sympathetic to, uh, to these types of issues, then I'm not sure that they need this kind of training. Anything else? Uh, i mean i 'll say what I said yesterday. It seemed the uh, what they 're trying to do here seems like a lot more than just uh, you know a few training classes for for teachers uh, it 's reinventing the profession I mean it sounds like you would have to be a it's, sociologist and a psychologist that's and literally an anthrop- what I said and an anthropologist. As well as being able to teach whatever you're trying to teach in the classroom, and put all that together with—I mean, I guess—I—I I don't know—are you gonna—is every student gonna have a uh, a series of of columns after their name? Checkbox whether they're you know whether you know what their what their race is, what their uh, what their. Um,
0: Socioeconomic is,
1: yeah, what their How many their days they're is, sick
0: and absent. What country they're from. One parent household, two parent household. What I their mean, sexuality is.
1: And then, and then you have to take all that into account and make sure that you're
0: not offending anyone. Who, can Oprah Winfrey do this? Can Mother Teresa do this? Can Dr. Laura do this? Can Dr. Phil do this? Can the top psychologists at UVA do this? Can friend of the program, Brad Wilcox, do this? You're talking the pinnacle of professions in sociology, anthropology, listening, communicating, therapy, human connection, and education. And I don't even think they can do what Almaro County is asking with culturally responsible or culturally responsive teaching. Yeah. Who can do this? Who can do it as a 23-year-old fresh out of teaching, teaching school? I don't know if age or... Age and experience coincide? I don't know if they matter in this case. I mean... Because it's an impossible mountain to surpass.
1: That's fair. But they may be more, uh, they may be more uh, prepared to uh, jump right back into learning. Whereas someone who's because been,
0: they're not jaded and they're naive instead, that's because, what you're saying. No. Let's no, exploit their no. what's the word naivete?
1: Naivete. I'm, I'm, is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying, I'm saying if you're, uh if your example is someone who's just out of college, then. I don't see jumping right back into, into learning as being quite the hurdle that it would be if you'd been a teacher for 20 years, and all of a sudden you're... Oh,
0: you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's mm-hmm. what you're saying. You can't <laughs> teach an old dog new tricks. If you want
1: to simplify it down That's a what few you're words, saying.
0: Sure. Maybe you're right.
1: Maybe yes, maybe no yes. <laughs> I don't think you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I think it would be more complex. Liza learn new tricks. In fact, I would argue that there's a higher chance that someone just out of college has already had this type of training. I disagree. And you don't think that no. uh, that's, this would start to I show disagree. up in college? Uh... Why?
0: They're going to have this kind of training because they're a, mo- a millennial or a general or a G- or a Zillennial, and because they're Zillennials, they're just going to... Uh... What? No. Because there's millennials and millennials, they've grown up in this woke, fragile, careful what you say, walk on eggshell society, so they're much more likely to be receptive, embrace, and that's embody not, culturally responsive teaching?
1: That's not what I'm saying at all. Oh. I'm saying schools are, in light of this type of thing cropping up across the, across the country, uh, the schools that are teaching these teachers to become teachers may already be adopting some of these uh concepts into
0: their uh into their curriculum kevin yancey in waynesboro all schools need to need to adopt a zero tolerance policy when i was in school assaulting a teacher or administrator got you a free ticket to homeschooling amen yeah amen the mayor of mcintyre says experienced teachers are going to say f off to this to your point judah yeah janice boyce trevillian judah you are right they are being trained at the college and training level my daughter is working in her masters in education and mm. talks about this all the time well yeah so so it's, younger younger that's the point i'm making younger newer teachers may not even need this training. they grew up in this society of vulnerability walk on eggshells wokeism constant political corrected correctness where you had to be sing kumbaya and roast some marshmallows by the campfire and make sure everyone is included in the marshmallow toasting and roasting while singing kumbaya and strumming a guitar on a nice 70 degree evening on Carter's Mountain. You get my drift. Yeah. That's not the real world. There's mean people out there. Okay. Culturally responsive teaching. Good lord. This is these are new terms that I've learned. Equity grading. Equity grading is an oxymoron. The whole concept of grading is you're going to give scores to people based on performance and not equity. Equity grading is an oxymoron. Culturally responsive teaching, another word salad jargon term of 2023. Crazy times. Last topic, two more topics, and then we'll get to comments from you, the viewer and listener, and some closing thoughts from uh, Judah Wickhauer. One of the best real estate closing attorneys in Charlottesville just walked by. Did you see him? Yeah, I didn't realize. Yeah, one of the best in Charlottesville, in central Virginia. Um, Blue Ridge Cyclery is opening a Richmond location. Blue Ridge Cyclery is a uh, Charlottesville brand. And the full-service bike shop is opening at Libby Mill Midtown. Blue Ridge Cyclery leased about 4,200 square feet of retail space in the Pennstock Quarter Building at Libby Mill East Boulevard. Blue Ridge Cyclery is an official Trek dealer specializing in the sale of Trek and Electra bicycles, among other makes and models. The shop provides bicycle repair, maintenance services, gear, bikes, knowledge. I mean, it's just a great local brand. Sean Tevendale, the owner, he's actually come on the Isle of Seville Network. He's the owner and founder of Blue Ridge Cyclery. The shop in Richmond will be Blue Ridge Cyclery's fourth location. They have two locations in Charlottesville and a third spot in Warrington. So props and kudos to a local brand enjoying success. We always champion local brands. Lastly, this is something that's floating around the the stratospheres of political junkies like yours truly. Truly the scuttlebutt has Rob Bell not running for re-election in a recently redistricted district, district, redrawn, I guess is the better word, in a recently redrawn district. Rob Bell, a Republican, his opponents, if he chooses to run, it's looking like he will not. Um, two Democrats, Kellen Squires, the emergency room nurse, and Amy Lawfer, who's had some unsuccessful runs at many different levels, including counsel, and I believe in an unsuccessful delegate run, if memory serves correct. Um, Blue Virginia on Twitter highlights... An interaction between Delegate Les Adams and Delegate Rob Bell, where Delegate Les Adams thanks Delegate Rob Bell for his service. Then Blue Virginia, the Twitter account, says it sounds like Rob Bell is not going to run for re-election in the redrawn, much bluer, HD 55. And as I highlighted, the candidates from the Democratic side are Kellen Squire and... Amy Lawfer, Rob Bell is an institution. If you have lived in Charlottesville or Central Virginia, you undoubtedly have seen Rob Bell on a side of the road holding a sign either asking for votes or thanking you for votes. Rob Bell, no BS, outside my neighborhood in eastern Almaro County multiple times has literally held a poster board sign soliciting votes or thanking residents of my neighborhood for voting him into office. He's an attorney, he's an American politician. He's been a Republican member of the Virginia House of Delegates since 2002. We're talking over 20 years for Rob Bell. In 2013, Bell ran unsuccessfully for the Republican nomination for Attorney General of Virginia. This guy is a Republican superstar in the Commonwealth. And his district is now very blue, less purple, and it sounds like he's going to be sitting on the sidelines, and it's Lawfer or Squire's race to lose. This is big news. I'm going to get some closing thoughts from you in a matter of moments. Ann Clark Ramey calls it the everybody wins generation. We should, we should have started seeing... We should have saw that this was going to head in the wrong direction when the last place team in third grade Little League baseball was getting a trophy of equivalent size of the first place team. When the last place team in the Peachtree Little League, the team that had every single one of its damn games, ended in slaughter rule fashion was getting a trophy the same size as the first place team that was slaughtering everybody else, we knew that educational de-leveling, equitable grading, and culturally responsive teaching was going to become the new reality. Mark it down. Thank you, Ann Clark ramy I'm going to respond to your comment. Ann Clark Ramey. I read this live on air. I love when you guys comment give me some closing thoughts over there judah
1: well i saw an article recently about uh about how uh we're losing trees in Charlottesville, and i think uh if anyone out there has the ability
0: you're talking shrinking tree canopy coverage yeah peggy vanieres has been highlighting this big time i'm sorry i interrupted yeah uh if you if you can afford it plant some trees if you can afford it, plant some trees.
1: Yeah. I like that. I mean, uh, there, are, there are some obvious spaces that especially need it. Um, I wouldn't suggest planting random trees in other people's yards. But, <laughs> no, uh,
0: don't do that. People have property rights.
1: <laughs> but, uh, but,
0: yeah, uh, we need more trees. The crap, here's the crappy part. The tree coverage is dwindling. The canopy coverage is dwindling in the areas of our most impoverished citizens. The residents living on the financial margin are the ones unfortunately facing the tree canopy coverage um, diminishing amount, or the fact that the coverage is getting smaller and dwindling. And when it gets
1: hot in the summer, that this has means... a This is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, say it. When it gets hot in the summer... That means, that means less, uh, less shade uh, for people who are having trouble with, uh, with air conditioning. That means less more shade. More people staying inside, more heat.
0: More people playing video games, less people being outside, less people exercising because they're not outside as much. They're inside more because there's less shade. This has impacts that go far beyond shade for a community. This has impacts directly correlated to exercise impacts directly correlated to screen time, impacts directly correlated to playing with other people in groups outside versus playing with one or two people inside. This has significant impact. And like so many things in life, the folks most impacted by this are those on the financial margin. The voiceless are the ones that are impacted by this. Yeah. Peggy Van Yeris has been trying to hype this or draw attention to this for a long time. What was the stat in that article? Um, I mean, it's a pretty damning statistic. Listen to this. Let's see.
1: I mean, I'm not sure which particular stat you want, but... Uh, the, the,
0: the canopy coverage diminishing over time stat.
1: Uh, trees covered about 50% of the city just... Uh, 19 years ago, the canopy shrank to 45% in 2014 and fell to 40% in 2018. Now, leaders of Charlottesville Tree Commission fear that the canopy has shrunk to just 35%. And uh, they say the alarming thing was that it took 10 years to creep down 5% originally. And then it only took four years to creep down another 5%. Is it going to be a year or two before it's down another five percent and uh you know is this uh this is really concerning are we on a uh are we on a slide and yeah what are we going to do uh
0: plant trees i had a viewer and listener trying to come in the studio over here i had to wave them off i saw that this is not a live studio audience studio Lonnie Murray, the king of the environment, says if Charlottesville becomes too paved over, then no one will want to live in Charlottesville, which will cause sprawl. King of the environment, I appreciate that comment. I've really enjoyed your comments, Lonnie, on the show. You have legitimately made the program better. I value, Lonnie, I sincerely value your perspective. And you will forever be known as the king of the environment or Lonnie Murray, as, a, as a, opposed to your professional title civically.
1: And this is also alarming. Uh, two neighborhoods, Star Hill and Tenth and Page, are extremely low canopy. Are and what? Extremely low canopy. Of course. Below 20% cover.
0: Nora Gaffney says you better plant native trees. Native trees. Yeah. Plant native trees. Lottie Murray, I think, would agree with Nora Gaffney of planting Defin- native definitely trees. Definitely
1: consult with uh, with an expert, like someone at uh, at Snows, or another uh, tree nursery who can help you figure out what's best for your place. Because yes, uh, you don't want uh, you don't want the tree busting up through the uh, the sidewalk in ten years, and you've got to and you've got to cut you, it down. What are you looking at? outside the studio. No need to highlight that. There, there, are, there are trees that are better for
0: different areas. <laughs> most of downtown Charlottesville and most of the trees in the city of Charlottesville are causing considerable rooting issues with the sidewalks around them. There, are, there is a lot of that. The sidewalks are a cluster duck, quack, quack, quack in this city. Cluster duck. Trace is watching the program. This is one of Patty Zeller's um, contacts. Trace, where are you watching? Let me see if I can go to your uh, Facebook page to see where you're watching. She says she was an amazing teacher. Where did your comment go? She was an amazing teacher, and she misses it so much. But she quit 12 years ago at age 38 because of craziness. (laughs) 12-year teacher... Quitting at age 38 because of craziness. I appreciate that comment, Trace. We love when you watch the program. We had a teacher on the show a few months ago, Bill Mooncatchy, who worked 12 years as a math teacher in Fluvanna County and Amaral County Public Schools. And Bill Mooncatchy also quit after 12 years because he said of utter chaos.
1: And I have a friend who left the, uh, left the
0: Charlottesville school system for similar reasons. Trace is watching in Houston, Texas. Trace, we love you. We'll call you the Queen of Houston. Anytime you comment on the show and we read your comment live on air, Trace, you will forever be known as the Queen of Houston. Thank you for commenting today. All right, that's all she wrote. His name is Judah Wickower. My name is Jerry Miller. This is the I Love Seville show where we talk frankly about issues and topics in our community that we love dearly. But we understand if we're going to improve the community that we love dearly we have to have an awakening with how we manage and carry ourselves in said community and currently it's been chaos it's been crazy town usa and we're trying to bring a sense of sanity to crazy town usa for judah Wickower, my name is jerry miller and this is the i love Siebel show